Georgia lawyers Bob and Irreverent D talk law. Listen up for stories about how things really happen in our legal system. Who are these guys? Dwayne Singleton, Irreverent D, is a criminal defense attorney in the state of Georgia. Benjamin O. Benson, a.k.a. Bob is a personal injury attorney in Atlanta. Today, Bob and Irreverend D welcome their friend and attorney, Doug Rohan. And then Bob tells us about his idiosyncratic drink orders. But you do have to be careful if you're ordering. I've gotten to the point now where I'll go, I'd like a whiskey here and a Diet Coke there, right? Now, sit back and take a listen as Bob and Irreverent D talk law. Welcome to the Bob and Irreverent D talk law podcast. I am Bob, that's short for Benjamin O. Benson of the Bob Law Firm. And the guy laughing over here, Irreverent D, see, he laughs almost right on cue. Irreverent D, <laughs> of the, he is this Dwayne finger, Singleton. Like, I, I was almost offended. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not a bird. It's not a bird. Okay, no. all right. He is of the Singleton Trial Lawyers Group, and we're joined today by Doug Rohan, longtime friend of mine and friend of the firm. Doug, tell us a little bit about your practice. Thanks for having me here, first and foremost. It's a pleasure to be with you all. Uh, I have my own practice, Rohan Law. Uh, we're over in the Sandy Springs, uh, Dunwoody area. And my two primary practice areas are workers' compensation and criminal defense. I've had my own firm for 10 years now. If you want to find us on social media, you can look for us on any platform you choose, Rohan Law PC. And of course, my website, RohanLawPC.com. And you also speak Spanish, right? And that's my party trick. Even though I have a face like this, I grew up in a Cuban household with Spanish as my first language. So English is actually my second language. Wow. You're originally from like Florida, right? I grew up in Miami. You've been here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The um, What is your favorite part about doing criminal defense work? For me, it's helping people in their most difficult time. Our slogan for our law firm is we want to be your best friends on your worst day because that I know as soon as those red and blue lights pop on behind you or as soon as there's a knock on your door, your life is about to change forever. And the idea of getting to sweep, come in, help you, make sure that you get a good night's sleep knowing what's going to be happening next and trying to make sure that this doesn't have a permanent impact on your life and on your children's lives, that's, that's my favorite part. Mm. Now, speaking of people who've had a bad day, <laughs> the news item today is about somebody who had a, had a really bad day, uh, both uh, being accused and being um, arrested, but also in court when he was being represented by his attorney. And now, the news! Here's what happened. I'm going to give you the basic facts. Okay. Now, this guy, uh, Cortasio? Mm -hmm. Cortasio. Cortasio. <laughs> I, I'm the gringo. That way. Right? Yeah, yeah, that way. <laughs> Listen to the avocado, mm -hmm. right? Cortasio, he gets arrested uh, for aggravated assault mm -hmm. and false imprisonment. He gets what the article describes as a plea counsel. Mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you about what that means later. That plea okay. counsel. He gets a. He has an attorney. That means an attorney, right? Yeah, sort of. The plea counsel initially recommends that he goes to trial, meaning you say you're not guilty, we want a trial. Later, his attorney, the plea counsel, says, you know what, maybe we should work something out with the district attorney. 
Maybe we should plea to something. And so he did. Right. What he didn't know, though, was that this attorney that was representing him or that was doing the plea mm -hmm. deal owed money to the, uh, the to the district attorney. Mm -hmm. Like there was some kind of conflict in between the district There's attorney. An accident yeah. and restitution was owed. And restitution was owed, right? Like you you read the full mm -hmm. article oh, about yeah. uh, the full mm -hmm. thing about it. So I'll ask you about that in a minute. So what Cortasio said was he got a new attorney and the new attorney said, hey, listen, court, we want to withdraw this guilty plea mm -hmm. and have another shot at like trying this. Uh, and that's essentially what the court found. They said that it was OK to withdraw the guilty plea. Well, the uh, court of appeals, the trial court said no. Th that's right. That's, it's, it's, that's right. wild. The it's court wild story. Uh, eventually what mm -hmm. the court of appeals said was, listen, Hard to tell if there was an actual conflict. You, the trial court, you have to take evidence to find out if there was an actual conflict and if and if there's some indication that it influenced the, the attorney's Correct. Uh, uh, opinion. So has this, my question to you is what? <laughs> what is a plea counsel? Like I thought yeah. there's just, there's attorneys and there's like, what? Well, you can obviously hire your own private attorney, uh, but a lot of people don't have the means to do so. And as a result, they either go to court without an attorney or go to court and ask the judge for a public defender. So that public defender is typically assigned by the judge once they prove that they are indigent, which is a very low standard. If you have a job, you're not indigent and you're not going to get a public defender. So perhaps you either hire an attorney just for the purpose of a plea. There's a lot of pretend attorneys out there that might know a little bit about the law. Yep. They're scared of going to court because um, trial exposes you. Trial is where right. you learn things. Right. So perhaps there's a class of attorneys that only do pleas yeah. or alternatively, sometimes the court will provide a, a lawyer of the day. Cherokee is famous for this. Right. So Cherokee will have an attorney in there that you can talk to and ask them about what they suggest you do. Yeah, just for the plea. And, and I hate people that do the attorneys that do their contracts like this. They're like, it's this much for a plea and this much for trial. Cause then what happens is your client can't afford to go to trial. Mm -hmm. So then they're like, okay, well I'm out. And so either you're out and you're out. The, the lawyer case. is saying right. I'm out. Mm -hmm. Lawyer says I'm out. Yeah. Or you take the plea that's on the table. And I just feel like that forces people into a bad decision. So I always try to try to charge enough mm -hmm. for the whole trial to handle the whole case. The standard in court in front of a judge when you're going to give a guilty plea is it's a knowing and voluntary waiver of your rights. Right. So if it's both knowing, I know what my rights are. My attorney has explained to me what my rights are. I am aware of what my rights are and voluntary. I voluntarily give up these rights to get this deal. So right. to your point, pressuring me into take this plea deal because I can't afford your trial fee, that's no longer voluntary. Right. Oh, and, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. And you know, the judge asked you at the end of it, you know, do you want to withdraw your plea now? And you have an opportunity right then before he sentences to withdraw the plea, but you don't really know what's going to happen at that Correct. point, right? Right. And so then, you know, no, I don't want to withdraw the plea, blah. You know, now if he enters something different than what you've negotiated, then you have another opportunity to withdraw your plea, but still some people, you know, they just don't understand what's going on in the moment right there, you know? And so they're like, yeah, I'll take it, whatever. And then they realize 
Now I got. I just do, got railroaded. Yeah. yeah now I got to yeah. do twenty years in prison. Right. I'm very conscious of the fact that I've been in court a thousand times, and this is my client's first time there. Right. And yeah. there is so much information coming at them at once. A study was done recently. I've been married twenty three years. A study was done recently that you hear about seventeen percent of what your spouse tells you. Well, <laughs> think about how much lower that that number is going to be if you're in court, stressed with the possibility of jail time, especially if these are felony cases and you're looking at serious jail time. I'd be surprised if the client truly understands even 5% of what's coming at them during that process. So I make it very clear multiple times, explain it in multiple different ways. And I really think that's on the obligation of the attorney that's handling that matter. It has to be. I, I had that kind of similar thing, not the stakes, obviously not being nearly as big, but in a mediation, we go into mediation and the mediator's like, well, obviously this is blah, 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 confidential, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, slow down. So what you're saying is that we can't talk about what happened here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, right? But I mean, you that's what you're doing in court, right? Yep. Like you're you're saying you're in, like at the point where you're just looking at your client. You understand that? Yep. Yeah, that's I learned, great. I learned my lesson in mediation when we we mediated this very valuable case, got what I thought legally was a great result. We were there for two hours. We get to the end, we have the final number, and my client's like, "I'm not signing for that." I'm like. What do you mean? You've been sitting here next to me this whole time. He's like, well, I want this number. And I was like, well, that's twice what the demand was. Right. <laughs> so you didn't even understand this concept right. when we were first sending the demand. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's the other part that mm -hmm. I have to break down at the begin at the beginning of that and mm -hmm. say, like, none of this is binding unless you say yes. Correct. As soon as you say yes, it doesn't matter what's written down, mm -hmm. whatever it is, you are committing to it. Well, yeah. you know, yeah. The, the problem with like plea negotiations when you're mm -hmm. talking about taking a plea or if you enter into a plea if you're a trial lawyer you're always preparing for trial like you go in and you've got your trial notebook ready and you say the judge asked are you ready for trial you say yes mm -hmm. but then you've got these offers coming back and forth from the state we'll drop this charge or we'll dismiss this charge if you take a plea to this i have clients constantly go well i thought they were going to dismiss mm -hmm. this i thought that charge was dismissed Dwayne. Mm -hmm. i'm like that was no, just an offer. That was an offer. You mm -hmm. rejected it. This is a new offer. You know, and sometimes you go, it, it gets less and less. And sometimes you get closer to trial, it gets more and more. You know, the more confident the, mm -hmm. the you know, the prosecutor gets about his case. Sure. He's like, no, I'm not going to take that last offer we did. I want to go to trial now. I'm prepped up and ready to go. You know, yeah. well, I want to use your point to pivot to the next issue on this matter, which is if you say yes, that's a yes. You talk about that in the civil context, right. but the same applies in criminal law. You've committed if, to it. If you tell a judge, they're going to ask you, are you in fact guilty of this crime? Because that's part of the plea proceeding. If you say yes, that becomes a legal fact. Right. Your opinion no longer matters. You're, but I didn't think, or but this, yeah. it doesn't matter. And but so I had to. to, right. to yeah. <laughs> these issues with these pleas, that's where the judge is starting from. You have said you are in fact guilty. That's a legal fact. Yeah, but people, but I've heard people say, well, I pled offered, right? Or I, ha I had to, mm -hmm. right? And and I kind of go back to that. I don't know enough about criminal law, but I always think to the times that I've watched one of those uh, uh, judges taking a plea and thinking, well, no, you said I doing this voluntarily, yep. right? Either you, well, anyways. Well, you brought up a good point, the offered plea. So let's educate everybody yeah. on that. Alford what is versus that? North Carolina. It's a Supreme Court decision that came out that addressed this issue. What happens when somebody pleads guilty, but they're not really guilty? There is a standard under which you can enter a guilty plea where you say, 
I understand the risks associated with this trial. I understand the penalties that are associated with this trial. Mm -hmm. The state has given me such a good offer that even though I'm not guilty, it's in my best interest to go ahead and close this case down based on the offer that was provided. So how it applies in the real world, for example, maybe it's a statutory rape case, maybe it's a uh, another serious sexual crime that you're looking at 25 years in prison, but the state's case is weak and you don't want to put it in front of a jury because juries- you never know what's going to happen. Dice. Right. But if the state was like, okay, look, as long as you promise to never do this again, we're going to put you on 25 years of probation. You don't have to go to jail. You don't have to go to prison. You won't be a convicted sex offender, mm -hmm. but we want you to be on probation for the next 25 years for this other code section, non-sexual code section. I'm going to take that plea all day long because I know I can control myself. Right. But putting it in the hands of a jury is very risky. Yeah, very risky. And a lot of times you'll have to get the prosecutor to go reaccuse the case in a different way because once the judge reads that indictment and sees what the original accusation was he may shit on your plea and be that. like i ain't taking it based on what this is saying right here wait a judge can do that Absolutely. all the time well, I, wait hang on a second <laughs> you and your client yes are talking with the dis the district attorney for months right the and district months. attorney says how about uh felonious mopery Right. right, two to five, right? Time served. Right. And you're like, oh, that's a great deal. Let's do it. You take it in front of the judge. You're saying the judge can say, I, I'm not accepting that? Absolutely. A judge has the right. Now, practically speaking, the judge will take the agreement of the parties 99.9% .9 of time. But yes, in one particular local jurisdiction and one particular judge, I am very well aware now that uh, I cannot presume that I'm going to get the best deal possible for my client because my negotiations are so good that the judge didn't like them. Yeah, we've got oh, a no. we, yeah we've got a judge that if you don't get if you don't get that charge null prost and plead to something different, mm -hmm. he will not. He will. What is null prost? Dismiss basically. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not going to prosecute that, so they're going to. You get, you, you're guilty on count one, two, three, and four. And so they now process one and two, and you know you plead to three and four, but they may add on a, a come back with a count six or whatever that you're going to plead to just to make everybody happy. It's uh, short for Latin, nole prosecchi, and you're saying I'm not going to proceed with these charges. And the state has to fill out a form, at least in Cobb County, it's required that they fill out a form explaining why they're choosing not to go forward. Yeah. Sometimes it's for negotiations. Right. Sometimes it's admitting that the evidence isn't strong enough. I got it. So what do you think is going to happen with this guy, Doug? So in this case, what happened here is the trial court did not allow him to withdraw his guilty plea. They took it up on appeals. The appeals court remanded it back to the trial court saying, you did not meet the threshold standard of reviewing this withdrawal of the guilty plea. You need to make sure that you determine whether or not there's a conflict of interest. If there's a conflict of interest, the withdrawal is warranted. If there's not a conflict of interest, then no, the withdrawal is not warranted. So, so Doug, explain how long do you have to withdraw that's an excellent question. In general, the courts who are so far behind, especially in this post-COVID era that we're in, the courts want to make sure that when cases are done, they're done. They don't want cases coming back up. And if we have time, I'd love to talk about uh, Padilla and Chidez as well. But in this particular case, you have 180 days from a traffic offense, from the date of uh, entering the sentence. On a misdemeanor, you have one year, and on felony cases, you have four years. So at some point in that time period, you need, uh, 
correction, I think it's two years in a, in a felony. You have to make that determination. Something unjust occurred. So if it's one of those days where everything's coming at you too fast, you get home 48 hours later, you're like, you know what? No, that wasn't the right way to, to handle this. Then you should be able to go back in front of the same judge, explain why, even an oral motion, explain why you want to withdraw your guilty plea. And for the most part, if you have a, a cogent reason, those judges in that time period will allow it. Excellent. Well, thanks for joining us. Well, mm -hmm. We would like to have you on mm -hmm. for another episode because I, mm -hmm. I do want to talk about those other things. Mm -hmm. um, can you come back? I would love to come back. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, joining the Bob and Irreverent D Talk Law Podcast. Make sure you subscribe and have a nice day. Thanks for listening. Tune in next time when Bob and Irreverent D Talk Law. Mm -hmm.